This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 55, Candlemass.
Welcome to Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And uh, sorry for our little hiatus. Yeah. But uh, we've had, we had our, some life. We've had our own summer vacation a little bit. We had, uh, you know, we came back from the Maryland Death Fest, which we'll we'll talk a little bit about. Probably not so much tonight, but when we get to uh, an appropriate um, episode, I think we're going to be doing a Sphix one Sphix down here the road in a couple weeks. Yeah. A couple weeks. Uh, and they played at the Maryland Death Fest. We'll, we'll get into more of the details, but... Yeah, we kind of had to take a break after that. I had school stuff to take care of, end of the year, grades and graduation kind of nonsense and track coaching responsibilities. And you yeah. had art deadlines you had to do. and Deadlines just, and moving and all kinds of Oh, yeah, you stuff, move. Yeah. So. so we're in we're in the new basement studio yeah. uh, of the Ann Arbor version. Subterranean. Location. Subterranean, yes. yeah. Uh, so we have two locations. That's funny because you're moving and hopefully uh, here pretty soon I'll be moving to my new Requiem Metal Podcast location <laughs> there up you go. in uh, Romeo. But um, obviously, you just heard the epic uh, opening uh, number, Gothic Stone, which is sort of the, the, the kind of intro piece to that, and then Well of Souls from the esteemed Candlemass. And this is definitely a band that uh, both of us have been kind of late bloomers getting onto, and uh, I mean, only within the last couple of years have really started to digest it a lot and see... I mean the the influences that w- that was a big thing, but just getting there's always that thing when I was younger is getting past Messiah's vocals. Yeah, yeah. it was just like God, these are over the top as hell. Like how do I how do I process this? And stuff? I mean, I think you know, I think when when anybody comes through metal the way that we did, which was sort of through like um, almost like the back way, you know, like kind of going extreme metal first, and then yeah, it was like th- I had discovering a, a the brief, yeah, brief you know? uh, thrash kind of uh, diversion there, and then straight into the extreme into stuff, the crazy stuff, and yeah. so I. I know what was a struggle for me, and I will talk about this um, in one of the next upcoming episodes that we do too, because I think we plan on doing a Bruce Dickinson one mm-hmm. about how difficult, you know, like Rob Halford, Bruce Dickinson, some of that stuff was for me to, to get into personally because yeah. the over the top operatic, like high vocals mm-hmm. didn't gel with, you know, entombed, you know, and the, all the stuff that <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to kind of, you know, get into. But I think, especially for you, you know, Candlemass was, was um, more of a I guess a tougher hurdle for you to get over because of your early impressions. I think of what you thought the band were and how that sort of singed in your memory for so long. And, and yeah, because I knew them as basically you know like oh of course everybody talked about them as being influential. And then like ninety seven ninety eight, I remember reading about uh, Michael Mott uh, being like a session guitarist. He either toured with them a little bit or he's actually recorded on one of the later on albums. Which is funny. I didn't know that till today. I never yeah. had any idea. <laughs> you know, so here that's Mark's you know knowledge about Candlemas and I knew about Candlemas but I didn't know that you know so go yeah figure. and that, yeah that was kind of like his era of uh, spiritual beggars and all that stuff as well okay. and that was kind of irked me a little bit because I really liked you know his direction well that was like right off you know the carcass mm-hmm. kind of debacle as well and I was just like why is he making this really weird kind of uh, pit stop and yeah. this old like doom stuff but and and see uh, Grant Carcoon and I had actually gotten a couple of uh, Candlemas tapes used on um, mm-hmm. cassette back in the day I think we got um Ancient Dreams and Nightfall, and I, I hadn't heard Tales of Creation until just in the last couple of years or whatever, and um, I dug them, but I mean, at the same time, we dug them, but like, we liked the sound, we didn't like the vocals at all, so yeah. we'd like get really into like the riffs and stuff, and even some of the like instrumentals, like Into the Unfathom Tower, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's the name of the song, um, you know, but just... Just some of these like weird kind of like the crunching stuff because we were really into doom early on. Um, and uh, musically, they're incredibly easy to get into. But oh, yeah. It's just getting past the, the. I mean, I guess Epicus is easier to get into than later on stuff with Messiah. Mm-hmm. But Messiah is like vibrato to a <laughs> degree. And, and it, after a while, you kind of you kind of get the feeling that like it's 
it works. It's, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it just, it fits their sort of, um, the bombacity of the lyrics and, and just how over the top with these sort of famous romanticism paintings. And, and I guess at the time, know. I mean, that, that style of vocal on that music wasn't any, I mean, it was, I guess, akin to like, you know, the first Cradle of Filth record sure. where it's basically screaming over the top. Like what else would go, would perfectly go with that than that? I mean, you don't want to hear like straight Ozzy, straight Dio kind of vocals mm-hmm. or anything. So Yeah, which Messiah is this weird mixture we were talking about of yeah. kind of Ronnie James Dio and, and Ozzy Osbourne, mm-hmm. you know, the two kind of Sabbath you know, kind of great vocalists, you know, and he yeah. sort of like takes both of them, but then like t- ups the notch, you know, like takes it to the totally level. makes it his own. I mean, it's definitely a, I mean, he's totally influenced. I mean, it's almost like King diamond level operatic mm-hmm. stuff, but he, he doesn't have the, the screech, you know, tone. I yeah, guess he's he, more of a, he, he won't can, go as harsh, you know, as some of the diamond stuff. Will yeah. And go. he doesn't really do a whole lot of like, like a Halford or a diamond, like just straight out scream. It all kind of builds there through vibrato and gets any, I don't think he has a huge range either. He's got a tighter range, a uh, vocal range. I sure, think. Sure. Then him, you can then, tell. yeah. Then, uh, I mean, he's probably more akin to Ozzy's range, but he actually has the, the muscle memory in his throat to be able to do things with it. And not just, mm-hmm. well, and, and you definitely heard it in well of souls there. Like, when he comes in at the beginning of that, he holds that note for like 15 seconds and like kind of, you know, wavers it a little bit. It's, it's awesome mm-hmm. uh, sounding, obviously. And it, it's a kind of a, a nice introduction to the band, even though we're going to kind of move backwards here in a second. But, um, you know, the, the song Well of Souls is the opening number of Nightfall, which is kind of their... I would say, like, it, it's their Hall of Fame record, according to Decibel, and it's my favorite Candle Mass. I mean, I don't know if you have a favorite one or if that will come up as we, we kind of talk about <laughs> it. But, um, yeah, well, I'll out myself there. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait on that one. But um, Candle Mass actually didn't get a start with Nightfall, but in, in a lot of ways, people see the current Candle Mass like, lineup as starting on Nightfall because I was, I was telling Mark on the drive over here... Um, Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, which is the the debut record from them, which came out at eighty six or eighty five. Eighty six. Okay, uh, you know that's considered sort of the bible of like modern doom metal, and, and probably one of the coolest album titles ever. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I, I remember reading about you know like cer- certain people when they first saw this record come out, they said that there's a lot of balls in a band that would put a record out called this because mm-hmm. you got to back yourself up. You know, well, it's you like put a declaration. Out, like, yeah, it, you know, yeah, exactly. You're declaring war, and you better have some weapons to. To you yeah. know, to, to wage it in the right sort of way, and uh, you know, Epicus does does the trick, and we're gonna hear a couple Epicus tunes in a second. But the the reason why I think there's this divide of you know when do you kind of consider Candlemass's like truly beginning? Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say you know Epicus had uh, you know some of the the main guys uh, the with Leaf, yeah, Leaf Edling, who's yeah. the kind of the Nikki Six or um, Steve, Steve Harris, Harris of the band. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the bass player, but yet he's writing most of the music and he's writing a lot of the lyrics and he's kind of the the centerpiece of the whole band. Mm-hmm. And they had brought in uh, on Epicus, they had some session guys on the band. Uh, Johan Lundquist, who's the vocalist. Mm-hmm. Isn't that his name? I, can't uh, I think it's Langvist. Is it Langvist? Okay, yeah. You oh, know, that's an A with an umlaut. Yeah, you, you know us and our, our Swedish <laughs> pronunciation. Unless we have Chris here, we're, we're kind of screwed. But um, he was a session vocalist and I do believe they had... Um, the drummer and one of the guitar players were session guys as well. I believe so. So there's really like only uh, kind of Leaf and then one of the other guitar players, and I, I can't remember who was the guy who was on uh, was on it. Oh, Matt Bjork, uh, Bjorkman was the rhythm rhythm guitar player, and so really it's um, and then Matt Erks Erkstrom is that Matt's? 
Matt's, Matt's Erkstrom was the drummer at the time, and then they brought in these other sort of session guys. Um, you know, we could give you all these goofy Swedish names and, and butcher their names, but again, the, the point is is that other than Johan, who was definitely a, a very unique vocalist, mm-hmm. those other guys were just kind of there for to, to record the the album and then i mean it almost seemed like it was uh it was like a really well done demo sure yeah in a way it's like an introduction like hey here's our sound and, and unfortunately like some demos kind of end up becoming it didn't sell too well mm-hmm. and and really the band sort of went on hiatus for a while and then uh leaf kind of had to really really sort of start from like the ground up again with with the band and yeah, i think it was recorded in in 85 came 85 out in 86 and then, and then 86. yeah 87 we got nightfall and i can't remember the original label that put it out but was it power oh no power lines who remastered it black dragon uh, black dragon yeah and black dragon was was pretty upset with how the the album sold and so they dropped candlemas from the label and so leaf was essentially had to start from scratch and that's when he brought in um uh the lars the Lars Johansson. Johansson, the yeah. awesome lead guitarist. And then uh, for a while, he actually had a guy in there, uh, Mike Mike Weed. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Mike Weed from... Um, oh, yeah, from Mike Weed from Merciful Fake, King, yeah. King Diamond. He actually was the guitar player um, going into the studio to record the second record, Nightfall. And then uh, they realized that he was like too too efficient. He wanted to just do like, way too many technical solos and things. Yeah. And it just didn't fit their sound, you know. Obviously, as you heard there, I mean, the, the doom slowed down, you know, like plotting kind of Sabbath. Then have to have a, kind of a virtuoso that really wants to show off. Doesn't yeah. really, you know. And they're work. Swedish, and so you know, Ingve Malmström was pretty popular at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. he was probably a big national hero, and so there's probably this temptation for some of those young guitarists to sort of like overplay everything like Ingve did. Well, and, and this was the time of excess in music in the this States. This was thrash and hair metal <laughs> and everything. And I think and I think that's important. I'll, I'll, we'll get into that in just a moment about how Cannabis was like the opposite of what was popular. And that's part of, I think, why they were kind of rejected by a lot of people. Yeah. But, um, you know, then they brought in Messiah and we'll, we'll talk more about the Messiah story of how he joined the band and stuff. And then they eventually got uh, their permanent drummer, a guy by the name of... Um, Oh, I forget his name. Oh, Yan Lind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and that's that's essentially going to be your Candlemas lineup. Now, what we're going to be kind of looking at today is just sort of the, I guess, the golden era. You know, we're going to go from Epicus to like records. Their, uh, their three kind of major uh, mm-hmm. full links after that, you know, Nightfall, uh, Ancient Dreams, and Tales of Creation. So, that's kind of where we're looking at. But um, I guess when you want to talk about the, the, the sound and the impact of the band, you know what? What I guess stands out to me is just how progressive they were in terms of like taking some elements that were sort of floating out there, like the Black Sabbath kind of doomy mm-hmm. sound. Um, you know, you'll hear a couple tunes uh, like really, at the gallows end that sounds like Symptom of the Universe, which is the more the sped up Sabbath sound. But yeah, but then yeah, stuff like Under the Oak it has like a heavy like Merciful Fate kind Absolutely. of vibe to it. And so know, a lot of the soloing has a lot of Hank Sherman, Hank Sherman going on. Which is something you point out, which is like, I kept like wrapping my head around like, God, there's, there's so much virtuosity in some of these solos. Mm-hmm. Who are they drawing from? It's not like Kirk Hammett. It's not, it's not Yngwie. It's, yeah. it's somebody different. And, and when you point out Hank Sherman for Merciful Fate, I was like, oh, of course, I missed it. Yeah. And there is that dark element to it. You know, I mean, you hear some Celtic Frost riffs in there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Candlemas, even though they've got like a vocalist akin to a Dio or or Ozzy or or somebody like that, they're definitely not playing sort of safe hard rock 
kind of Not popular yeah. heavy metal type sound. I mean, they're coming out of a school where they're influenced by the darkness of Merciful Fate and Celtic Frost. These sort of like dark borderline I mean, I kind of death. They're bands, probably more you know? uh, yeah more influenced by the European stuff and the the stateside acts that I can tell. And that's what you were saying is one of the reasons I think Candlemass wasn't given as much credit, except in like really like kind of indie underground circles, mm-hmm. is that. They just never were able to get mainstream success in the United States. I don't States. think they could penetrate with import sales. I yeah. remember seeing these these records like in the probably in the early nineties in they're the import expensive. bins, but they're like twenty nine dollars, yeah. and I was like, "Well, I've never heard anything about these guys. I don't sure. think I want to just like you know." It's like Blind Guardian pre uh, you know Imaginations. Yeah, you know, twenty eight. Like you heard about these guys, but you didn't. You know, no one was going to go out and pay thirty bucks for a band that you didn't really. It's yeah. not. You know, it's time pre internet too. So unless you got a hold of a, uh, you know. A, cassette tape or something like that you know mm-hmm. you didn't have cd burners you couldn't like you know get a cd burn yeah. from somebody overseas so uh definitely there was a mystique surrounding surrounding candle mass in terms of like their sound and their influence because i think the, the one thing we were kind of talking about before is that candle mass was doing they, they were like trouble you know trouble was the american version i guess of candle mass mm-hmm. in, in a sense they were doing a, the opposite of what was popular at the time and so they didn't get very many fans, but the fans that they did get were sort of like diehard, like life, yeah. yeah, lifelong kind of thing. Because you know, this is the era of speed, you know, thrash, you know, the Slayer, Anthrax, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you can do, you know, as fast as possible, mosh riffs, all that kind of stuff, you know. And you know, even Judas Priest and Maiden bought into speeding mm-hmm. up things in the mid 80s well, this and stuff. is much more orchestrated kind of classically influenced oh, stuff for sure it's definitely like coming out of like sort of the gothic romantic kind mm-hmm. of era you know right down to some of the paintings that they used for their album covers which yeah. i think gives candle mass again another iconic imagery you know sure um, yeah mystique you know gothic doom as as we know it today you know and i mean there's so many bands you can link into that you know whether you talk about the kind of violin type stuff with Bride or mm-hmm. even Paradise Lost and their, you know, kind of medieval poetry, their medieval elements that show up in some of those early Paradise Lost. And, you know, Candlemass is the start for all this, you know. Oh, I mean, for really. sure. I, I think the more I've, I've listened to Candlemass, the more Paradise Lost is a direct, I mean, that, they're a direct kind of like, you know, uh, kid of this or whatever for sure but uh yeah i mean all the all basically all they're doing is they're downturning their guitars more and there's death vocals mm-hmm. but there's so many of the elements that we'll hear you know on the podcast today the, of of the kind of uh uh, solos that Gregor does are completely influenced by this stuff. We're going to hear it in our next set when we get into yeah. the Epicus tune. Uh, Demon's Gate has a mm-hmm. very much a breakdown in the middle that's, you you called it right away. You're like, oh my God, Paradise Lost. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, you and know? if you're familiar at all with Paradise Lost, you'll hear it instantaneously. Yeah, so they're, uh, they're a cool band and we'll, we'll definitely, um, we'll get back to talking a little bit more about Nightfall, but the first thing we're going to throw out is a couple tunes from uh, their debut, Epicus Dumicus. And, um, we're going to start with Solitude, which, I, you know, I think Solitude is probably one of those songs that I'm sure Candlemass has opened up uh, a lot of concerts with because it's yeah. got that kind of, this is it. The, we're ushering in an era where, start, you know, it starts very slow and kind of builds to like, you know, just the doom part that, mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, kicks in. And I mean, really, when you're thinking about this, you know, Black Sabbath, when they played their style of music and even like older pentagram and um and really outside of maybe like a Witchfinder general or even the very first like trouble releases vitus too same vitus a little bit but even vitus came out more like mid 80s right around yeah. candle mass yeah. you know and they're kind of coming out of like the washington dc like punk 
slash doom scene, which was like a really odd scene when you think about it, but that's another podcast. Yeah. But uh, the I think Candlemas is one of the very first bands that intentionally comes out thinking to be a doom metal band. You know, Black mm-hmm. Sabbath. You know, when they always say, you know, what's the first black? What's the first heavy metal band? Is it Black Sabbath or Judas Priest? Because Black Sabbath were just a hard rock band that fell on the sound, whereas mm-hmm. Judas Priest really sold themselves as a heavy metal band with imagery, imagery and everything, and, everything. Yeah. and i think Candlemas is the first doom metal band um along with trouble probably mm-hmm. that, that kind of molds themselves you know into something yeah um that will become the the foundation and the, the yeah, genesis almost of every doom. extreme metal thing in, in some uh, form from then on i mean the swedish uh, swedish death metal and then the the whole like uk doom scene oh gosh. completely i mean you know For cathedral sure. paradise loss and anathema all that stuff even catatonia right? to some extent has yeah draws a lot of the roots from some of the candle mass stuff and just the yeah the melodies that they brought into the records were stuff that we didn't really see in metal up sure. to this point yeah yeah so and we'll we'll talk more about their influence uh later coming up but when you hear solitude you know really really think about it and there's some cool like uh um there's just some cool parts in this song in particular that that have the the Paradise Lost kind of sound as well, and then we're gonna bust into a uh, uh, Demon's Gates from Epicus Dumicus Metallicus. So enjoy. I'm sitting here alone in darkness, waiting to be free. Lonely and forlorn, I am crying. I long for my time to come, death. Means just life Please let me die in solitude
That was Demon's Gates and or Demon's Gate, sorry, not plural. <laughs> and Solitude from uh, Canomass's uh, debut, Epicus Dumicus Metallicus. Yeah, and so uh, um, good stuff. And Demon's Gate was cool too, in particular the some of the drumming stuff, the the use of some of the double bass to like kind of mix the the really gloomy speed stuff or gloomy slow stuff and kind of speed it up at times to Mm -hmm. sort of give it that variety it's kind of like that death doom sort of sound that the early paradise lost kind of had too you know yeah where you have like a a pretty plotting double bass line but really kind of sparse guitar where they're hitting like on every fifth sixth you know hit of the double bass or whatever yeah and uh you know it's it, there's obviously always i think going to be an argument between i think diehard Candle mass fans as to which is like the the better record this or nightfall you know mm-hmm. um only i think and i think i lean towards nightfall because to me nightfall is like a more consistent vision you everything know, came like, together everything yeah. aligned on that one this i remember reading where they were talking about on epicus they uh they tried in order to warm up to play some of the Nightfall stuff in the studio, what they would do is they would play some of the Epicus tunes, mm-hmm. and they would just play along with them um, from, like, track one all the way to the end. And they said by, like, track three, by, like, the third or fourth song as they were sort of playing along, like, it wasn't sounding like what they were rec- what was recorded. Mm-hmm. And I guess they didn't have any understanding of, like, tuning. When they recorded Epicus, they just tuned by ear. Oh, so, so they ev- had some bizarre guitar every, tone. Every song has a different tuning on Epicus, <laughs> so like there's almost no way to, to play it right. And so yeah. again, it's it is like a mo- almost more of like a demo, a really polished experimentation, demo, yeah. you know, uh, introduction of the band. So as we said before, though the you know uh, um, Leaf is able to put together kind of a consistent lineup for for Nightfall, and this record came out in '87, and it's this was a tough one. Um, I was telling Mark a tough one to kind of pick. Um, the 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 songs to to best represent it, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's really, five or six that are. Awesome. If you're gonna get two record, you know, like get anything, get Epicus and get Nightfall. Yeah, that, that's it's a good start. It's a good start, and then you'll end up picking up the rest. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. In this podcast, we're not really gonna go. We're basically kind of in the Messiah era. Sure, and yeah. just out of time constraints, is like I I'd love to do a two parter, but I don't. I, personally, I'm not that familiar with their more contemporary stuff. And I have some of that stuff, but I haven't really given it its due. You know, yeah. I've listened to some of the stuff with Robert Lowe, uh, the new current vocalist of, of uh, Candlemass, who's the vocalist, of course, of Solitude Eternus mm-hmm. uh, from Texas. And uh, they were always, they're another band that's obviously <laughs> takes their entire sound from Candlemass, them and November's Doom. Um, trying to think of some of the other American Doom bands that were very Candlemass. Oh, there's one from, from Jersey, too. I can't think of their name right now. Uh, Vulcan? Uh, no, it was more. I guess they were more. I guess they had a little bit more of a thrash. Did they? Okay. Thing is, well, I can't even think what they're yeah. what they were called. Yeah. Chris is super into them as well. I can't think what they are, but uh, huh. But uh, anyways, that's the Robert Lowe era stuff. Is like where Candlemass is at now, and, the, and Candlemass in the '90s did put out some, you know, like live records and different things there. But mm-hmm. it was very inconsistent and not not as good as any of the records that we're going to be listening. Yeah, to tonight, I think from '94 so. '98, it was pretty much. They're kind of done, yeah. yeah. And so, what's cool about this era, and and this is really hard to put in in perspective, because I think most of the shows that we've done have dealt with a lot of music from like '89 forward, mm-hmm. you know, just because that's kind of the rise of sort of classic black metal, classic death metal, sure. Outside of you know Bathory and uh, you know a couple older records, the like Anthrax and death, some of that yeah. stuff. Death. Um, Candlemas did all this stuff between 86 and 89. All four of these records come out in that era, and it's like they essentially lay the foundation of all modern doom metal, and they don't even really make 
they do make it into the 90s, but in those releases don't, you know. In so a, they're, in a they're kind of like uh, the Anvil of Doom. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And, and speaking of Anvil, Anvil is one of the people you said that you read. Uh, yeah, that was an influence on, on Leaf for sure. And I can see that with Anvil. I, you know, say what you will about them. I mean, they're, they're, they have some goofy lyrical content. They have some really cool guitar tones and really across the board uh, it's not straight thrash. It's not straight like Sabbath stuff. But they had definite heavy doom elements in there mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I can see how and and everybody from you know Scotty in to to Leaf think you know always uh, mentions An- Anvil as some kind of influence. And I remember reading a, a story. <clears throat> I don't know if I was reading reading this or if I saw Anvil like interviewed because of the the documentary that's out right now. And they were talking about uh, when they played one of their first shows in Sweden, like back in eighty three, eighty four. There were these two like geeked up kids that like came up and were like, "Can you sign you know autographs mm-hmm. for us and stuff?" We're the biggest fans, biggest fans. And he said like years later when they were playing the festival circuit, in, like the late '80s or whatever, those two geeked up guys came up to him and were like, "Hey, do you remember us from like back in like '82, '83? We came to the show." And he's like, "Oh yeah." And he's like, "What are you guys doing now?" They're like, "Oh, we're in this band called Candlemas." So <laughs> you know, it's just kind of funny how that that kind of all works out. But uh, something I should mention, and it does sort of fit into Nightfall because it. Was was the nightfall song that we opened the show up but uh well of souls speaking of kind of like cross band references there's a lyric in that song i was telling mark and i don't know where i read this uh somewhere but there's a lyric in there that says he will not fear though the sabbath is near 12 strokes for candle mass darkness descends and uh darkness descends is a, the title of a, a great you know f- hyper thrash dark angel dark record. angel record uh and and Dark Angel took it as like sort of a nod, and so on. Like their second record, Leaf Scars, they did a, a lyric where they threw Candle Mass into the lyric somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't have Leaf Scars. I have Darkness Ascends, but I thought that was kind of a, a funny little connection there. But uh, but anyways, Nightfall. You, you can definitely tell from what you heard at the show opener with uh, Well of Souls. They upped the production. Yeah, the, the crunch is is so much heavier. It's just like. Uh, and I'm not. Uh, I don't have the the terminology to properly talk about what what's yeah. happening in the studio <laughs> here. But there's just a thickness to to the the, the guitar tone that's. Well, I'm sure the crushing. the Epicus is probably recorded on an eight track or a four track, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sure that this was significantly upped. I haven't really read much about the the actual production or engineering of the thing, but and it seems like uh, there's consistent tuning. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just like a, a really nice layering of, of uh, guitar tones as well, really organic analog sound. And 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 too, like the intros and some of the the instrumental tracks, like they do uh, Frederick Chopin's uh, March uh, Funebre or mm-hmm. Funebre, however you, well you want to pronounce it, it's Latin. Uh, they kind of do that. And it, it bridges uh, Samarathon with Darker the Veils of Death. And then, of course, you had Gothic Stone, which opens it. And I think Black Candles is, is some type of instrumental, but I think so. don't quote me on that. Maybe Codex Gigas. Uh, but anyways, it's it's got a really nice sort of flow. And, and like I said, I mean, even though the, the cover to Epicus Dumicus is pretty sweet with the, the, <laughs> the skull with the cross kind of through it. Yeah. Uh, the covers that you're going to see from Nightfall, Ancient Dreams, and Tales of Creation are all these old Gothic Romantic paintings. And I think uh, the guy that painted uh, Nightfall is somebody Cole. I can't remember what his name is. But uh, it, it gives it um, this doomy feel in a way, this sadness to it. You know, almost well, and like it, had, it's, it always had the feel to me like how Bloodfire Death 
you know, the Bathory record, yeah. it, it, just throwing that kind of cover on it makes it that much more epic. Or, you know, Bluster the Sick, mm-hmm. that, that kind of cover. For sure. Yeah, Thomas Cole is who painted the, the Nightfall okay. thing. But, um, you know, anyways, it's it, it, the sound is there. And, and the songs that you're going to hear in a second uh, at the Gallows End is the one I mentioned before that has a real, like, kind of symptom of the universe, Black Sabbath, kind of sped up kind of riff to it. Yeah. But it also... Um, it, it's very much their hallowed be thy name in a way you know it's got kind of this slow like intro and even the fact that it's called at the gallows end it's about somebody's gonna be you know hung on the gallows mm-hmm. just like hallowed be thy name and uh then we're gonna go from that into uh samarathon which um you point out reminded you a lot of force of equilibrium cathedral just those kind sad, of long drawn out slow, slow riffs yeah and then uh, Lars solo in the middle is is pretty sweet. There's there's layers all over the place with it. It's very anthemic as well. Mm-hmm. And one other thing that we should mention about Candlemas as we're kind of covering this era is the lyrics. Um, I think you know Trouble was kind of doing their thing, and Trouble would mix in religion. I think sometimes with their their lyrics especially. But he really brings like this fantasy element into a lot of the stuff. Like you know a song like At the Gale's End is obviously not fantasy, but you're gonna start to hear these like he's bringing a lot of different references in, you know, well of souls was like Indiana Jones and the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> yeah. you know, influence, but especially in ancient dreams and tales of creation, there's a lot of mythology and a lot of, he almost goes like Dio overboard with some of like the unicorns and yeah, yeah, stuff like some that. Of the stuff you know, power so metal lyrics almost, you know? So, but, uh, uh, one song in particular, we aren't going to play off of nightfall that we will throw on the website it's kind of the most well-known song off of this is bewitch we've got the yeah we've actually got a, an embedded youtube video of that and if you haven't seen that then you owe yourself it's, it's pretty <laughs> pretty quality and if you haven't gotten a chance to read the decibel hall of fame uh interview with them they 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 do a lot of description about how that video was made and stuff and uh the guy that made it you know uh who's the original drummer for bathory and he's now doing like videos for madonna and Smashing he's, pumpkins yeah, he's and metallic and stuff, but uh, it's funny. And, and if you're a Mayhem fan, then uh, you'll appreciate the the dead from Mayhem dead cameo. makes a uh, cameo in it. So, but anyhow, we're gonna get into uh, at the gallows end and Samarathon, and these are both from their second record, Nightfall. I see you, the 
We just heard At the Gallows End in Samarathon from Nightfall. Yeah, and next we're going to move into uh, the <laughs> the third record and the second with Messiah. And mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really mention that Messiah, um, when he entered the band, there's a lot of kind of funny material about this, but supposedly, you know, they were shopping around for a new vocalist, and I think he sent in... Uh, I think he sent in a tape of him singing uh, over the top of their over the top of like their the epicus tunes, and uh, you know I think Leaf was pretty intrigued, and then he was incredibly persistent. And then didn't he yeah. move to like he just, the city? He, he ended and, up just moving there before they accepted him at all. So yeah, he, was, he was pretty much gung ho for the shoved himself into the band, and I think the tension. You know, you've got the the uh, Don Dockin George Lynch kind of tension in the band yeah. from that point on because. Um, well, I don't think they got the, along with each other, really. No, you got two big personalities. I mean, it was how uh, kind of how Steve Harris and uh, Bruce Dickinson were at a time, but now they've kind of somehow made it, made amends there, and kind of everybody knows their part in the band. But sure. I mean, Steve Harris formed Iron Maiden. He was wrote ninety percent of the songs, mm-hmm. and if you didn't go by his aesthetic, you're out. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. I think and then that's Bruce kind of became how, a huge personality. Yeah, and there was conflict, just like Messiah. I mean, just, all you gotta do is look at a picture of Messiah with his Watch huge the hair and his video. robe and everything, and he's definitely taking some of the limelight uh, away from, yeah, you know, from from what Leaf was maybe trying to do um, musically. He's he's adding this like new aesthetic and this operatic element to it. Well, and he's sure. the first person. As soon as you see the guys on stage, your eye immediately goes to the you guy, guy in this guy, not the, the priest outfit yeah. with a big afro. Yeah, yeah, you know, and Leaf didn't have the Nikki Six looks to get all the <laughs> chicks in the way that uh, that worked for the Motley Crue Balance of Power. So, but uh, we're gonna get in there the second Messiah record in the third uh, full length. That's Ancient Dreams and. Uh, Kind of a controversial record, I guess, for Candlemas. Yeah. yeah, and see, this is the first one I ever heard. Okay. Which was, you know, like, uh, I think, la- or the first one, I, I've heard, you know, choice tracks here and there, but the first one I think I heard all the way through is on a car trip back from doing some podcasting. At, I think I made a copy of this At your place. At- yeah, and I uh, first, you know, I heard Mirror Mirror, like, okay, uh, <laughs> it feels a little bit like Blind Guardian or something yeah. with that, that kind of thing, but, and then toward the end of it, it, it is a bizarre record because at the end we've got the Black Sabbath medley. Which is almost like... Like why? What's the point? You've already kind of taken a lot of these riffs and done things with them before, but it's it's more of a goofy. It feels more goofy tongue in cheek than the kind of serious tone that we saw in Nightfall or Epicus. Sure, and there's a lot of this is where they up the fantasy elements. Um, you know, right from the the cover is a lot more fantasy looking than say Nightfall, which has kind of got this solitary element to it. It's more classical. This is definitely. It looks like maybe like a 1960s sci-fi cover. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and and you know tunes like the title track "Ancient Dreams," you know, mention you, you you know wizards and unicorns and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and, and still has the little the little angel chick on the back. Oh from yeah, the other there you go. Album that keeps carrying over. Yeah, and uh, I think what I've read about this record is it was rushed because they they were supposed to do a tour with somebody. Um, can't remember who it was. If it was a tour with Motorhead or something like that, I think mm-hmm. I remember reading. And so they kind of like rushed whatever they could into it in the came studio. Out the following year, eighty eight. Yeah. So and I don't I don't think they were properly ready to 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 do what they wanted to do. You know. Um, but you know, Mirror Mirror, which we're gonna play off of this, Mirror Mirror and Bear of Pain in particular are, are two like killer tunes. And if you just sort of pick choice tracks off of this, I mean, they were still in like you know musicality wise like they were still Mm -hmm. right there it's just in terms of the focus of their songwriting it's not always consistent on here and you've got a lot of like filler kind of stuff like the black sabbath melody uh medley not melody uh you know cry from the crypt is is not a very good song uh (laughs) you know 
that anyways i'm not gonna slag on the record too much but um it's not essential but you'll probably if you become a candlemas fan I mean, something that belongs in your collection. Y- you might as well why skip this record you know um but but i know leaf in particular kind of slags on this and i think it's because he didn't like the production of it and how thin it sounds at times yeah and, and different things whereas like when you hear like the sound of say nightfall or the record that comes after this tales of creation like just it's got that bottom heaviness that like sort of extra level of like crunch to it yeah you know? yeah uh, but mirror mirror is a cool tune it's it's got some cool double bass stuff going on i mean it's just the the sing-along when he starts it with the <laughs> i mean everyone you how can you not want to sing along with a tune like this well as soon as you hear those first two words you already know yeah. how, how it's gonna go yeah. so. you kind of get the feel of it so we're gonna bounce into some uh mirror mirror and then we're gonna close out with uh, a tune called under the oak which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about and this uh under the oak actually makes two appearances in the candle mass discography but we'll uh we'll talk more about that later so enjoy some mirror mirror on the wall Mirror, mirror, 
We just heard Mirror Mirror on the wall from Ancient Dreams and Under the Oak from Tales of Creation. Yeah, and there's two versions of Under the Oak. Um, there's the one from Epicus, which uh, I think you said you probably prefer, and I know I like the, I like the, does, the, 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 uh, the rawness of it, I guess. From that, from Epicus, you're saying? Yeah. 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 yeah from the, actually, I think it is Powerline Records. I know this, they've come out on a couple different labels, but there's really nice double-disc versions of all these. They have different demo tracks, interviews, uh, live tracks, and things like that. And it's uh, it's definitely got like an old Merciful Fate kind of feel to it to me. Mm-hmm. Really kind of down and dirty with just bombastic guitars. For sure, and that's very much the uh, the Celtic Frost riff that kicks it off, and then the kind yeah, of it's Merciful one note Fate off. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's it's a pretty cool thing, but uh, you know what is. Um, um, sorry, um, Leaf says about this, he says, you know, the vocals were sung over the riff at first with a totally different chorus in the shadow of the cross, uh, was the original name. Uh, Messiah does a good job, but I prefer the Epicus version with Johan's vocals. I think I like, I like the production better on, on, uh, the later on version, but I do like the vocals, I think, better. They're sure. a little bit more, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost akin to like, you know, Steve Diano or Paul, Steve Diano, Paul Diano versus Bruce Dickinson yeah, kind of thing. For sure. Delivery. And um, I think you know, just like you could say with the later Maiden stuff, the the guitar playing is is a little bit more like the soloing, especially on this mm-hmm. version. Under the Oak is probably superior to Epicus, but yet there's something about that original vocal line. Well, like you know? here in Paul Diano sing Sanctuary or Dickinson, it's totally different. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're both cool, had, but he had like different. that uh, that more that punk mm-hmm. aesthetic edge. So yeah, and Johan doesn't hit the operatic stuff as much. He's more just yeah. traditional, like like the guy from Trouble or something like yeah. that, more traditional doomy kind of stuff. But Under the Oak is definitely kind of I think probably along with Solitude, probably like the essential like if you were going to play somebody one Candlemass song that was sort of descriptive of like their whole Well, according career. to the band, yeah, um, Samarathon and uh, Under the Oak, that's kind of the consensus as their favorite, two favorite tracks. Sure, sure. you know, and and just in terms of, I don't know, the good tunes, so, but we're going to close things out here. Um, Tales of Creations, which is where you uh, just heard that, is kind of the last great, I guess, Candlemass record, besides maybe some of their live stuff that came afterwards, and, uh, the, the title track, which closes out Tales of Creation, and Dawn, which is the spoken word, it's like 20 seconds long that mm-hmm. bridges into it, is uh, is pretty cool. And Tales of Creation as a record is um, it's very conceptual. It's almost a concept album. It's kind of telling a story, you know, the prophecy. Uh, it's obviously got some religious undertones to it mm-hmm. from the painting and, and everything else. It's like God in the clouds kind of doing his thing. But uh, it's it's kind of a good way to close out uh, sort of the... the great kind of messiah uh years and also a good way to sort of close out um, the, sh- the show mm-hmm. in a way but um you know candle mass was new for us to kind of get into i think and this is a show we've been kind of bouncing around for a while so you know maybe uh, if you're uh, never have heard the band let us know what you thought of it because you know candle mass can be sort of a shock to the system at first because of messiah and th- i mean this is actually if i remember right this was one of the first when we first started doing the show this like we need to do a candle mass show yeah but we never got to that point where we felt comfortable enough to, to actually talk about it in context you to, know? to know enough about them yeah to, to be able to place it in the history and stuff mm-hmm. and um comfortability wise but um yeah so you know shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com or uh definitely go on the uh, website which is uh, requiempodcast.com where we'll have uh you know some videos and uh, we're actually going to start doing actual show notes as far as like track listings talk sets times that kind of stuff so if you 
uh, you know, if you don't want to hear all the music, you can skip ahead to the next. Sure, sure. You know, talk set and and you'll you'll find the Bewitched video uh, up there too. Yes, uh, which I definitely recommend checking out. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so we're gonna close things out here. We hope you uh, enjoyed uh, some doom and gloom from Sweden. And um, oh, one thing I for- totally forgot to mention about Candlemas that was cool mm-hmm. uh, is in the Swedish death metal book, the writer says that when when Candlemas came out in Sweden, really all you had was Ingve and you had Europe. You know, you yeah. didn't have anything really heavy. And so when Candlemas came out, it was sort of the impetus for a lot of these kids to everybody these started kids a band to, to start a band. You know, so as a as a closing number, uh, I think that's that's a good oh, one. In his little uh, the little uh, thing in the back where he's talking about all the, all the different you know Swedish bands at the time, he's like you know best Swedish band ever. Yeah, Candlemas is, is is killer stuff. And obviously from just this little sampling, I think you can tell that they're uh, the quality musicians. So, anyways, enjoy uh, a tale of creation. So for Requiem Metal Podcast, I'm Jason and I'm Mark. I must have fallen asleep under the oak where I used to sit and dream as a child. The dawn was soon to come, and the air was crisp and cold, yet I felt warm. I remembered my strange dreams and knew I had the strength and love in my heart to create something from my life. The world was waiting. I was reborn. (laughs) 